Hello, all of you amazing parents who came back to your therapy tools to gain some more positive discipline tools to work with your children. So I've compiled um, from the Positive Discipline Workbook created by Jane Nelson, uh, illustrated by Diane Durand and Paula Gray. This book was created in 2011 and revised in 2015. If you would like to sign up for the Positive Discipline program, you can find this workbook and the entire program. There is a cost, a fee for it. Uh, I don't recall the exact fee at this moment, but there is a fee and it's worth every penny, trust me. Uh, Their website is www.positivediscipline.com. So go check that out if you would like to gain more tools. Uh, aside from what I'm sharing with you today. So some of what I have will be coming out of this workbook. Some of it will be coming from Chris Thiessen's uh, parent coaching plan. And Chris Thiessen created his plan in 2001. And then some of the other stuff that I have pulled is from various um, tools that are accessible for psychiatrists, psychologists, and therapists. So I've compiled a few things to share with you today for positive discipline, for parenting tools. Maybe you're frustrated and it just feels like you, your children are angry or um, they don't want to listen, they're not behaving, and you're tired, you're frustrated, and maybe you're feeling like this parenting thing is, is really tough, and you're right. It is. It's exhausting. And we're not born knowing how to be a parent. We learn by how we are parented. And when we have our own child, it's uh, trial and error, really. And then we, we receive a ton of unwanted advice, and some people have good advice. And we look at parenting books, and we start watching TV shows geared at being a better parent. And there's just so much information out there, it's insane. Uh, That's why I've compiled this portion of your therapy tools for parenting. Um, Psychological tools that do work. They might not work the first time, but with consistency, they do work. And not only do they work to help your children to behave, they work for... Uh, better bonding with your children and for teaching your children to become not only productive people when they grow up, but good people with good manners. Uh, People who, when you look at them, not only will you be proud of them, but they'll be proud of themselves. They will have a nice healthy level of self-confidence, self-worth, They will hold themselves and others to a higher standard. Um, They will be less likely to be um, caught up in toxic relationships. They'll have a more secure attachment and happier relationships with friends and romantic partners and even with their bosses and coworkers. So these parenting tools today that I'm going to share are going to help you and your child to have a happier, healthier life. So let's jump in 
the first thing I want you to think about is imagine your child is all grown up. Your child is, oh, 25 years old. And they come knock on your door or they just come in because that's mom and dad's house, right? But they walk in and you give them a big hug. Who do you want to see standing in front of you? What kind of a person do you hope to see standing in front of you when you imagine your your child all grown up standing in front of you? What kind of a person? So you might be thinking any any variety of things right now. You might be thinking who knows what you're thinking. But consider this, okay? You might want this this child to grow up to have a belief in personal capability. You might want them to be self-disciplined, responsible, the type of person who does hold themselves accountable when they make a mistake. Um, somebody who has the desire to cooperate and contribute. Somebody who has good communication skills, good problem-solving skills, self-motivation, a good work ethic, somebody who's honest, somebody who has integrity, somebody with a good sense of humor, and the big one, somebody who's happy, who's genuinely happy, somebody who's flexible, resilient, curious, somebody who respects themselves and knows their value, somebody who is compassionate, and somebody who has social conscientiousness, right? You, you want your children to grow up to have a better life than what you grew up having. So the key to making sure that that future 25-year-old child of yours who comes home to visit is a happy, healthy person, the key is to start now with your parenting. So maybe right now you might be facing challenges of your child not wanting to listen, your child talking back. Uh, Maybe the child has little to no motivation. Maybe they're cussing up a storm. Maybe they're constantly interrupting. Maybe uh, there's a lot of hassle in the morning getting them up and ready. Or maybe you have a hard time getting them to go to bed. Uh, They may be engaging in lying behaviors, stealing, cheating, fighting, biting, whining, temper tantrums, um, constantly on their phone texting or playing a game or um, hooked on social media or TikTok. Maybe they're very strong-willed, materialistic, superficial, um, entitled. That's a big one right now. A lot of kids just really feel very entitled. So if your child is exhibiting these behaviors and traits now, how will that equate to them becoming this happy, healthy, future person that you're hoping they'll turn out to be. So we we can't force and mold a person into what we want them to be, but we can certainly nurture them in that direction. And they're more likely to choose that path if they feel loved 
and accepted and part of something. So those are the keys. Before we discipline, we love and connect. We make sure they know they are loved. We make sure they know they belong. And then we talk about discipline. And discipline, in this case, is positive discipline. So when you have a child who's constantly interrupting, one fantastic tool to use, and I used this with my own daughter when she was little, and it worked perfectly. And to this day, it still happens occasionally. Um, My daughter used to constantly interrupt. And I told her one day, I want to hear what you have to say. However, if I'm in a conversation, it's rude for you to interrupt. So you have to wait until the other person is finished talking or I'm finished talking. And then I'm more than happy to hear what you have to say and I'll give you my full attention. So to let me know that you want to say something, all you have to do is just be very quiet, walk over and put your hand on top of my hand. And to let you know that I know you need to talk, I'll put my other hand on top of your hand and give you a little pat to let you know I acknowledge that you want to talk. And then you be patient and be quiet. And as soon as there's a break in the conversation, I promise to turn my full attention to you and hear what you have to say, okay? And it worked like a charm. I would have uh, friends over or I would be um, in a meeting on the computer or on the phone and she would walk over and put her hand on my hand and I would put my hand on her hand and we would both kind of smile and we just knew that was our code that she she has something to say. So that is an awesome trick and um, it really prevents a lot of um, getting frustrated and losing our temper and yelling. Um, That's another factor as well. We want our children to grow up to be happy, healthy individuals who don't need a therapist, right? (laughs) So um, it's important to let them know that they matter, that you love them no matter what. Even if you're, you're disappointed in their behavior or you're upset because maybe they didn't get the grades you hoped they would get, It doesn't matter. You tell them that no matter what, right or wrong, you love them all the time. That's important for them to know. So the future self, the future child, you you want them to grow up self-disciplined, responsible, accountable, good communication. So um, you have to train them when they're small. And that, that involves not telling them what to do. Okay, like you remember when you were a kid and you would be told, go clean your room or go lay down and you didn't want to. You kind of would rebel a little bit or you would get mad and then you would go in your room and get distracted and you didn't really have the motivation to do what you were told because it just made you feel small and unimportant that somebody was just barking orders at you. So when when we do the same to our children. That's kind of the response we're going to get to. But if we change our, our telling them what to do into asking questions, like instead of saying, get your coat, it's cold outside, let's go. We might say, Ooh, it's really cold outside. What should we bring with us so that we don't get cold? 
and your kid will be like, a jacket, a jacket, and it'll be fun, and they will feel like they've just mastered something. They'll feel like I'm smart, and I got to share that with my mom, and I got to help my mom, and it makes them feel accomplished in that little tiny moment just by switching from a tell to an ask. Uh, I do have positive parenting episode. Um, if you scroll all the way down to the beginning, uh, near the beginning of my podcast, um, there is a positive parenting that explains this even deeper. So I just want to share that with you. That's really important to remember. And, um, another factor is encouraging your children to logically figure out how to change their behavior when it's not the best behavior. So rather than saying things, scolding them and saying things like, I told you so, or I told you not to do that. Now, now you can't play your video games for a whole month and you're, you're kind of yelling at them instead of doing that. It's, it's better to ask them. So when this happened, what did you think? Or when you were doing that, what was going through your mind? Or how did you feel when that happened? Or what did you, what did you think about yourself and what would happen if you did that? And you show empathy and understanding You can say things like, I bet it was hard to go hungry or get that bad grade or to lose your bicycle. When it seems appropriate, you can add, I love you and I have faith in you to handle this. So you don't want to rescue or fix. And as parents, we always want to rescue and fix. But when we do that, we're not helping, we're hurting So don't rescue or fix. It's okay to show empathy and understanding. Validate their feelings. You can say, oh, you seem so sad, and and I bet it was really hard to go through that. Uh, You seem very angry. I bet it's very frustrating that you can't have the tablet right now. And I understand. And it's okay that you're upset. But I had to take it away because now is not the appropriate time. So I'm sorry that you're upset. You want a hug? You know, um, that can keep them from throwing a tantrum and and throwing attitude at you. It it diffuses and de-escalates a situation. Um, You may be tempted to rescue and fix, and it can be really difficult for parents to be supportive without being like overly protective and rescuing and fixing their kids. But it's really the most encouraging thing you can do to help your children develop that sense of being capable of being able to handle something. How many people do you know in your life currently who are adults who you hear say things like, I can't stand this. I can't deal with this. Their parents fixed and um, rescued them too much and they didn't give them the opportunity of a natural consequence in which they had to figure out a way to deal with something. So It's important to let your kids learn from their own experience 
that they can handle the ups and downs of life and that they will get through things. You have to just reassure them and say, I know you can handle this. What's a better way to do this next time? Or do you have any ideas on how we could fix this? You made a bad choice. You made a mistake. How do we fix it? What do you think? And get them involved in the process. Get them involved in that logical thinking. Let them have a say instead of just straight punishment. It, you, you'll see a big difference. So the typical parent would say things like, don't you talk to me that way, young man. Or you're grounded for a week. Go to your room. Or, how can you talk to me like that after everything I've done for you and all the sacrifices I've made for you? Or how far do you think that smart mouth will take you? So that's a typical parent. We grew up hearing those things. Um, Stuff like, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Things like that. We grew up hearing all that. Um, So it's time to make a little shift into positive discipline. So the positive discipline parent would say something like, I wonder what I did to upset you so much. So when your child is is talking smack to you, you just take a deep breath. I know it's hard. (laughs) Take a deep breath and look at them and say, I wonder what I did to upset you so much. Would you like to tell me? I would love to know. Please tell me. Instead of saying, don't come out of your room until you can be more respectful, you might say something like, wow, you really are angry right now. You want to take a couple deep breaths with me? Um, When you throw them in their room, you're rejecting them and telling them they don't belong because they're not behaving how you want them to behave, so they don't belong. Um, And that causes more rebellious behavior. So if you actually sit with them, and help to de-escalate them and show them love and compassion, it really makes a difference. There's no more power struggle. Um, when the child's throwing a fit, having a hissy fit, and you say, I need a hug right now so bad, please come and find me when you're ready to give me a hug. Do you need a hug? I really need a hug. This is hard. Show by example. You want to model the behaviors that you want them to start to emulate. So when you get upset and you yell and cuss and slam things around and say, I can't handle this, your child sees that. And then they begin to respond that way to every little stressor that enters their life. So it just creates a pattern. And if you look at your family tree you'll probably be able to easily point out some patterns of short tempers, um, addictions, um, several failed marriages and relationships, um, things like that. You'll be able to identify those uh, generational curses, as they say. (laughs) So you can be the one to break the pattern by not passing that on to your child and stop yelling, get control over your emotions. And your child will also learn to talk about their feelings, control and manage their anger, and be more productive and communicate better. So it all starts with you. 
sometimes when they're disrespectful, all you have to do is put your hand over your heart and just stare at them and say, you know I love you, right? You know I love you. I love you so much, even right now. The way you're talking to me, I still love you. It's not okay how you're talking to me, but I love you. Sometimes that's all they need. Because a lot of times when they're acting out, they just want attention. And if even if it's bad attention, that's okay. That's okay. At least it's attention. So that's just a few tips uh, on that end. We're going to take a really quick break and then come back and jump into some more tools for your parenting toolbox. All right. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Thank you for hanging in there. And now we are back. So this is by Chris Thiessen, copyrighted in 2001 from www.parentcoachplan.com. That is another really amazing resource. And Chris Thiessen created the seven C's of successful parenting. So uh, the first one is confidence. If you are exerting confidence and the belief in your own abilities, your child is going to sense that and eventually emulate the same thing. Um, It's important for you to stand firm, speak assertively, and know that in the moment you're doing what's right for you and your child. Children respond more positively to parents who have confidence than to parents who have self-doubt and uncertainty. Uh, Consistency. This is the ability to maintain a routine, maintain that discipline um, with, with very little variations. Make sure that if, if bedtime is 9 o'clock, bedtime is 9 o'clock all the time, unless it's like Christmas Eve or maybe on their birthday you let them stay up late. But for the most part, you are consistently keeping bedtime at 9 o'clock. Um, stay consistent with your rules. Stay consistent with uh, your discipline. Stay consistent with yourself let them that consistency some kids will tell you they're bored and it's all predictable and they always know what's going to be happening at nine o'clock on a tuesday night it's movie night every week and they might roll their eyes but when they become an adult they'll thank you for it and they'll be more stable because of it and it's a good thing now i sound like martha stewart huh (laughs) okay next one communication So what is communication? It's the exchange of information between two people, okay? It involves a sense of mutual understanding and sympathy, empathy. Um, Parents cannot be parents without good communication. 
it's a must. It needs to be clear, open, and uh, understood in order to be effective. So kids often have a lot to say, and, and putting up walls or refusing to discuss certain things will only cause them to look for advice from others. Um, talking to them about sex, talking to them about relationships, about drugs. It's important. If you're uncomfortable with that, you need to do some therapy and get comfortable with it. You need to practice with a friend um, and be prepared for any crazy question that you've never imagined to pop up when you're discussing this with your kids. And the flip side of that is that maybe your kids will uh, feel shy, awkward, and uncomfortable kind of like, ew, mom, dad, I don't want to talk to you about this. This is gross. Um, They may do that, but they're still listening and your message will still get across. So it's very important to let them know they can talk to you about anything and it's safe. So if your child comes to you, uh, they turn 14 and they say, Hey mom, uh, I'm in love with this kid at school and I want to have sex. You cannot blow a gasket and say, you're a baby. That's ridiculous. No hell you're grounded. Oh my God. You can't do that. If you do that, you'll spook your kid and they'll never talk to you again about anything. They'll go talk to others and probably get terrible advice. So make sure that you can get control over those emotions and be a good listener and communicate well. Um, don't criticize, don't, don't reject your child. If they want to talk, let them talk. Effective communication is, is just like key to being a successful parent. Composure. Here we are again. That means you keep yourself together. Uh, you don't lose your temper. You don't freak out. Keep your composure be caring, be compassionate, stay nice and calm. A healthy bond will lead to a sense of mutual respect, which will lead to happier parents and better off kids. Common sense. Common sense is the ability to make rational decisions and use good judgment. So if you're already struggling with two difficult children and you decide to have another one, you probably don't have a lot of common sense. (laughs) Common sense is is difficult to learn. You either have it or you don't. If you don't, then uh, I would highly recommend seeking and taking the advice of someone that does. If you do, then make sure you're using it. Be very logical when you're parenting. Don't be emotional. Be logical. Think of uh, Dr. Spock from Star Trek. Everything was based on logic, not emotion. And we have to kind of be in that parenting mode with our kids most of the time, right? And it's no different than if you are at work, you are acting in a professional manner because that is how you have to um, behave when you're at work, right? And it's the same with parenting. We have to behave as a parent. We have to behave as a role model because our kids are always watching and they're always listening, Consequences are essentially the result of our action or behavior. Consequences can be negative or positive, and they are the root of effective discipline. 
and can shape a child's future behavior. So we think about that 25-year-old grown-up child. We want them to be responsible. So as a child, when they do something seriously irresponsible, that's when we teach them that to be responsible, we have to do it a different way. So what's a different way we could have done this? And let them troubleshoot the problem. Let them, you know, brainstorm with them. Let them troubleshoot the problem. And you could give them a couple hints of ideas, but you want them to come up with their own ideas first. It's important to get their creative minds thinking and their logical minds working. So those are, according to Chris Thiessen, the seven C's of successful parenting. And now there are some dysfunctional parenting styles that you need to avoid. Being the anxious parent. You're nervous. You worry too much. You're overly protective. You do things to prevent your kid from just being a kid. They can't get dirty. They can't, they can't play with the kids outside because they might get sick. Well, in times of COVID, that's legit. <laughs> so... I guess we can scratch that. This was written in 2001, so... Um, uh, the next one, the hostile, angry parent. This is the parent who's yelling all the time. They're never satisfied. They don't... They never seem to accept their child. They threaten. They demean. Sometimes they, they physically abuse uh, their child to gain compliance and uh, so-called respect. And I say that in air quotes from their children. If you're the hostile, angry parent, anger management is a must. You've got to learn to manage that anger better or you're going to raise a very angry child. Um, The emotional parent, they're afraid to dish out consequences for fear their kids might get upset. These parents cannot stand to see their, their little ones cry. They give in to their children because they don't want to be labeled as being the mean parent. Uh, These parents are very easily manipulated. So if you are the emotional parent, it's time to use some therapy tools to be a little more resilient and a lot more logical. The CEO parent, you run the household as though it were a huge corporation and you are the boss. And every family member is a subordinate that's expected to perform as expected. And all of your interactions are cold and businesslike. And your children are starving, starving to death for affection and a connection with you. So if you're the CEO parent, maybe uh, read Daniel Goldman's Emotional IQ book and try to learn how to be more um, emotionally connected with others. If you're the absent parent, self-explanatory. You're either absent physically or emotionally or both. You don't have any kind of a bond with your kids. You're just checked out. And uh, this, this can be common if you're suffering with depression sometimes even with bipolar. And if that is the case, therapy plus possibly medication could
could help you to get back on track, but it's important that you get help because if you're the absent parent, the children will always feel not worthy. They'll grow up to feel anxious attachment styles. They'll feel like they're not worthy of love. It'll be a mess. So get yourself some good therapy so that you can be healthier, so that your children grow up to be healthier. The Siamese twin, that parent is overly connected to the kids. Uh, think about bad moms, Kiki's mom. She, she printed out pajamas that had Kiki's face all over them, bought a house next door to Kiki, um, wore her hair, had the same haircut and same barrette as Kiki. Um, that's the Siamese twin parent. These parents have poor boundaries. They're way too involved in the kids' lives. And they intrude and try to influence at every single level for the rest of that kid's life, even as an adult child. Um, don't be the don't be the Siamese twin parent. Your kids need to be able to cut the apron strings and go out there and make their mistakes and have their heartbreaks and learn and grow as people. They don't need you clinging to them like a Siamese twin. The casual observer parent. You basically just sit back and watch them grow up. You really don't get involved. You really don't connect. You're very permissive. There are hardly any boundaries or limits with these kids. Uh, they call it free-range parenting. You take more of a roommate type of relationship than a parent. So if you feel like... If you are like most parents, you can probably think of instances in which you might have fit into uh, most or all of these categories. Don't freak out. It doesn't mean that you're constantly that parent. It could have just been at that time in your life. We all take one of these roles or more on in different areas of our life at different times. So the best course of action is just to be present physically and emotionally. Establish balance. Establish some discipline, which includes like boundaries, emotional stability, and a healthy attachment and a connection and bond with your child. Are you the truly mean parent? I love this worksheet. This is also Chris Thiessen in 2001. I love, love, love this worksheet. So I am just going to read it to you word from word. <coughs> word, word to word. One of the most common themes I hear parents with unruly children say is they have a fear of being labeled the mean parent. So here are a few points that these parents do not understand. Number one, it is okay to set and enforce limits that, you're, that might upset your child. Number two, it is okay for your child to cry and cry and cry and cry when you set a limit that he or she doesn't like. Number three, when your child makes statements such as, I hate you, what they really mean is, I hate the fact that you have authority over me. 
Too many parents give in to their children because they are worried about being a mean parent. They become anxious and emotional when their children oppose the limits that have been set. As a result, these parents typically do whatever they can to pacify and appease their children. By appeasing their children, these parents feel they can avoid the dreaded label of the mean parent. But in doing so, honestly, they're crippling their children from growing to be resilient and logical problem solvers. They're, they're snatching away the ability for their children to develop that when they give in. So what these parents don't realize is the truly mean parent is the one who gives in. These parents set their kids up for future failure. Imagine what it must be like for the child who gets whatever they want just by crying. How successful will they be as an adult or in a relationship? These children fail to learn an important and essential trait, self-discipline. Without self-discipline, these children will struggle through their whole life. Remember, if your child is crying because they're afraid, be reassuring and understanding. If your child is crying because he or she is hurt, be nurturing and compassionate. If your child is crying because his or her feelings are hurt, validate them and be supportive. If your child is crying because they don't like the limits that you have set, too damn bad. That's not your problem. So if you're the if you're the easy pushover, manipulated parent, it's time to toughen up a little bit. You don't have to become a CEO or a drill sergeant, but you do need to toughen up a little bit. And if you're finding it almost impossible to not give in to your kids, um, Therapy would help you. It would help you to be a little more thick-skinned. Uh, the next worksheet that I have is about children's anger. And is it reactive or is it proactive? So how does your child behave when they're angry? Is there an unnerving calmness that makes you wonder what they're up to? Or is there a huge, intense overreaction, explosive emotional volcano uh, that can simply not be ignored? The child who responds to anger by stomping around and crying hysterically, that's a little easier to identify than the child who might smirk and calculate a plan to get even with the source of his anger. These two dramatically different responses to anger are labeled reactive and proactive. The reactive child throws the fit. They throw the tantrums. The proactive child is very subtle and cunning and sneaky. Their mind begins to plot revenge and they stay calm and collected on the outside. Here are some other identifiers typically associated with these types of children. The reactive child uh, may be red-faced, out of control, immature, loud, demanding, and short-tempered, just very entitled. The proactive child is calculating, manipulative, charming, passive-aggressive, and arrogant. 
So how do parents effectively respond to these styles of anger in their children? With the reactive child, you avoid giving in to that tantrum. The reason they're throwing tantrums all the time is because you've given in before and they know it works. So when you don't give in, when somebody's throwing a tantrum, you can either say, I need a hug. Or you can walk away until they stop throwing the tantrum. And as soon as they stop throwing the tantrum, you could walk back and say, Hey, good job. I see that you learned how to control your emotion and and stop responding with so much rage. That's good. You've, You've managed your anger. Good job. Or good job soothing yourself when you were upset. I know that's not easy. You did a great job. Um, stay calm don't start yelling at them don't freak out teach that child coping skills to deal with those difficult emotions maybe they just don't know how remember when you were little you didn't have that logic that you have now and our kids don't understand they take in all the stimuli from the world and they don't know how to process and de-stress and They need our help. So have them practice coping skills when they feel calm, you know, like the breathing exercises, counting to 10, uh, using all five senses to ground yourself in the moment, put an ice cube in their hand till it melts, um, tell them to hold on to it until it melts and their feelings will pass. Teach them how to sit with their feelings and teach them that They can stand it, and they'll survive it, and that emotions are not forever, they do pass. And remind the child that the tantrum, throwing a fit, is not going to help change uh, the outcome of anything. So you can throw a fit all you want, but it won't change my mind, so you're really wasting your energy. Uh, What else could we be doing with all that energy? You have enough energy to play soccer or something that takes a lot of energy. What would you like to do instead of throw a tantrum? Because you have all that energy. Let's do something with it. Let's do something cool. Turn it around. For the proactive child, avoid the power struggle. These kids love power struggles. And again, remain calm. These kids will often act the way they do to get a reaction out of you. Don't give them the satisfaction. And be firm. Maintain your authority and your boundaries as a parent and follow through with your consequences. Don't waver. Don't buckle. Don't feel bad for your child. They have to know that there is a consequence. Identify and confront behaviors that are considered passive-aggressive or manipulating. You might point out, ooh, that's, is that kind of a manipulative behavior? What do you think? And let them process. Talk to them about it. Try to, try to frame your words in questions rather than statements. Let them come to their own conclusions, but keep asking questions that lead them to the right conclusion. And find ways to teach appropriate values, especially empathy. Okay. What causes your children to misbehave? 
Biological factors point to temperament, genetics, chemical imbalance, brain disorders, and developmental disorders. Psychological factors point to a history of trauma, ineffective coping skills, psychological disorders, or low self-esteem. And environmental factors point to diet and nutrition, poor role models, exposure to violence, ineffective parenting, media influence, and peer pressure. So, listing different influences of misbehavior, think about the two biggest motivations of misbehavior. One is attention, and the other is power and control. So, for attention, negative attention is better than none at all, you know, like like you've heard a million times. So if your child appears to be acting out with the purpose of getting attention, the solution is very simple. Give your child more attention, but do so when they're behaving appropriately. Acknowledge them when they're being positive, just like the token system. Like, hey, good job sitting there being quiet. I know it's not easy to sit still for this long, but you're doing a great job. I'm proud of you. That's cool. Devote a segment of time every day to spend quality time together. Ignore behaviors that are meant to annoy you, such as whining, mocking, complaining, pouting. Um, Power control. Many negative behaviors are brought about by the need to exert power and control over others. Some of the more common behaviors of children motivated by power and control are picky eating, bossiness, always having to be first, being passive-aggressive, engaging in power struggles, threatening, and these kids will typically respond better when they are given choices rather than demands. Choices allow them to be in control of something. So you could say, hey, every Tuesday I want you to choose what the family will have for dinner. Or the next family outing, you get to choose what we're going to do. So giving them, letting them pick their own clothes, things like that. Like giving them a sense of control helps them to not crave that power struggle so much. So you give them a sense of control in a positive manner. And it also fosters responsibility and a sense of capability and pride in oneself and higher self-confidence gaining insight into the influences and motivations of children's behavior helps us to better handle these behaviors as we're confronted with them. So start by minimizing the negative environmental factors in your child's life as much as you can. Next, consider having your child assessed for biological and psychological issues. Remember to keep the lines of communication open and take the time that is needed to care for yourself as well. If you have a child who's misbehaving all the time and they're angry, as a parent, you're probably very exhausted. You probably feel like you're not very good at this parenting thing. Um, Give yourself a break. Make sure your self-talk is positive, not negative. Don't beat yourself up. Like I said at the beginning, we're not born knowing how to do this. It's like trial and error. So how can you connect more with your kids? 
there's a couple of worksheets here that I just love. And uh, same guy, Chris Thiessen. So there's Would You Rather. And I have a copy of this. I have a copy of both of these. If you would like a copy, let me know. You know how to contact me. Um, but the Would You Rather is pretty extensive. And you can sit down with your kids and play this. And it's just fun. And you learn more about each other. So, um, would you rather be known as a thief or would you rather be known as a nerd? Would you rather lose your best friend forever or have no contact with your family for one year? So, it can be fun. Some of the questions are silly. Some are more serious. Um, but that's one way. Uh, there's also role-playing scenarios. So, Parents can get together with their children and role-play different scenarios, acting out every scene with them and discussing appropriate responses. So the first one says, Okay, so you open up a birthday gift from a relative and it's something you really don't want. Now, I have played this game with kids in therapy and it's some of the responses are hilarious. <laughs> like one of them said I would throw it and say, Yuck. And... I said, ooh, but that would hurt your relative's feelings, right? So what's another way we could accept the gift without hurting their feelings even though we don't like it? And after processing that for a while, we came to the conclusion that it was probably best just to say thank you and put the gift aside and then a few days later donate the gift to a shelter or something so that some other kid could enjoy it if you don't like it. So there are quite a few uh, role-playing scenarios on here. And then the last worksheet I really love because it helps you as a parent to brainstorm and kind of fine-tune where you need to work more as a parent, where you need to step it up. And uh, it's a fill-in-the-blank sentence uh, form and the first one says I am a blank parent so on the on the list that I read earlier the CEO the emotional um, and if you're none of those you could say I'm the healthy parent um, I need to become a more blank parent my child thinks I am a blank parent I wish my child would stop blank I wish my child would start blank I hope my child never blank. And it goes on and on. So it helps you to kind of collect your thoughts and organize them. And then as you look it over after you've completed it, it helps you to narrow down like where you might want to apply more tools and where you don't need tools because you're good already. I hope this uh, episode was helpful for you. It's not easy being a parent, but if you came to listen to this, that means you're a good parent who's looking for anything you can find to try out and learn new techniques because you love your babies, and that is awesome. You are a wonderful parent just for coming here and listening. So have a wonderful day, and parents, make sure you engage in regular self-care. You need it. You deserve it. Have a great day and we'll talk next time.